0: This is Broccoli. Content that's good for you. This episode contains discussions around suicide, which some listeners may find triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Can you believe it's Pancake Day soon? Honestly, it just creped up on me. Get it? Crepe. That joke was terrible, but the worst part of the month is over. Here's to not thinking about being forever alone on Valentine's for another 51 weeks and eating your entire body weight in pancakes instead. Lemon and sugar, Nutella, or even a savoury pancake. Pancakes have more range than all the people you'll ever date. Plus, does anyone else make way too much batter and end up having pancakes for the rest of their lives? Another thing to make you feel better about your love life is the new Netflix show, Love is Blind. Listen, that show is a trip. It follows a dozen men and women looking to find love who all speed date over the course of 10 days, but the catch is they never get to see their partners. So essentially, they have dates in phone booths, and once they choose who they want to be with, they get married as in legally and forever. Obviously, when some of these people get married, they realize they've made the biggest mistake of their lives. Speaking of mistakes, I have been subscribed to ClassPass for a while now, an app that provides access to thousands of fitness classes without having to make a commitment to a single gym. I left my gym a year ago because I didn't exercise, so I don't know why I thought ClassPass would be any different, it's those referral codes, I swear, they got me. You pay a monthly rate and get a number of points to use up. The problem is, when you don't, your money just disappears. But fear not, I have found a solution. You can use your points to get a facial or a massage instead. And then you won't even feel bad for not exercising. This is your Broccoli Weekly. I'm your host, Yura. A massive thank you to everyone who has subscribed, rated and reviewed our show so far. If you haven't, now is the perfect time. In today's episode, we will be discussing Britain's new immigration system, the conversations we need to have around celebrity death by suicide and everything that happens at the Brits. I'm joined by TV and documentary presenter Aaron roach Bridgman, as well as political commentator and journalist Emma Bernal.
1: British carrots grown in Yorkshire, but should they be picked and processed by British workers? That seems to be the message from the government today as they proposed closing the door on non-skilled migrants.
0: So let's talk about the government's new immigration plans. The government has revealed plans for a new immigration system, which comes into force on the 1st of January next year. Home Secretary Priti Patel has described it as a historic moment which will end the EU's free movement rules in the UK. The government says a new points-based system will treat EU and non-EU citizens equally and aims to attract people who can contribute to the UK's economy. Potential migrants will have to score 70 points on the new system to qualify for a visa. Three conditions will have to be met which total 50 points. These are a job offer from an approved sponsor, such as an employer cleared by the Home Office, a job offer that is at a required skill level, and the ability to speak English at a certain level. Critics say the proposal could be an absolute disaster for the social care sector and that there are going to be serious concerns on the impact of farming. Emma, I was always led to believe that immigration is good for the economy. Why have we suddenly decided against it?
2: Immigration overall is good for GDP, um, for the economy as a whole, the large thing that we call the economy. There are... Some small impacts in certain sectors where people believe, rightly or wrongly, there's some evidence in favour of it, there's other evidence that argues against it, that it, 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 immigration in large waves has depressed wages in certain sectors. Now, there are definitely ways to deal with that that aren't a massive sledgehammer like completely changing our immigration system. And some like me would argue that better intervention on wages is actually what's needed for making sure that people are paid a proper wage for a proper day's work. Exactly. I mean,
0: you know, we have this conversation of businesses employing immigrants who are willing to work for pennies. But surely we need to be regulating the businesses and
2: Quite. not the people accepting the jobs. Absolutely. Um, completely agree with that. Um, but it's much, much easier if you are an employer who wants to pay less mm-hmm. to pit different poor people against each other rather than deal with the system as it is broken.
0: Exactly. Well, Priti Patel said it is about time that businesses started to invest in people in this country. We have over 8 million people that are economically inactive right now. Those economically inactive people include students, those who have retired before the age of 65, and those who are ill and can't work. So the numbers don't seem to add up. Pretty doesn't seem to know the difference between economically inactive and unemployed. Does this seem like something that just hasn't been fully thought out by her, Aaron?
1: Yeah, I think so. Oh, I can't lie. Um, this is maybe maybe more of a personal opinion, but every time I hear Pretty Patel speak, I just get really um really angry. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like she doesn't think of about things from a very holistic level. I think it's just uh, very much based on her standpoint and I guess what her her job standpoint, who she represents. The problem for me is with this is that someone who's British, um, it makes me feel a little bit embarrassed Mm -hmm. because um, the friends that I have who are EU nationals when when I speak to them I hear their situations you know the whole having to apply for settled status and stuff like that I I feel like it's very offensive and I feel like some of the things that she's saying and I believe it was uh, Nicola Sturgeon and also Christine Jardine um, who also expressed that um, you know this is not really uh, representative of us trying to create a more uh, stable economy it's more representative of us being xenophobic or even offensive towards people who are EU nationals or people who are trying to come to this country and even in my journey that I've done recently in my in a documentary I did on Brexit I met a lot of people who are from the EU who have expressed that them and their friends are thinking about leaving the UK simply because they feel like they're not wanted here so is that what we're trying to represent as a, as a nation somewhere where uh, we don't want people who are different to come here and when it comes to the whole skill level i understand what we're trying to do because i think we should be trying to implore skilled people to come to this country but how about the people who have potential who are not at that skill level yet who have come and there have been many examples who have come here and gone on to do great things in the country so how are we quantifying this because i feel like it's very small-minded and once again it shows us to be a xenophobic nation which i don't think as a whole we are so me, as a British person right now, when I'm in conversations with uh, wider groups of people from different places, I do feel a little bit embarrassed.
2: We say "Oh, we only want to attract people with the greatest skills. And I, I agree with, with Aaron that that, you know, that means that we may lose a whole layer of potential. But there's also the fact that if you are a highly skilled person, then you probably are um, a bit more cosmopolitan, uh, a bit more metropolitan and in demand. So you may well be wanting to go to a country that doesn't behave as we are currently behaving, that isn't as inward looking, that isn't trying to close themselves off to to whole communities of people. And you will have that choice because your skills are in demand uh, all around the world. By nature, if you're someone who's moving country all around the world, you probably have a more outward looking perspective. So why would you want then to, to tie yourself to a small inward looking island?
0: I mean, I find it incredibly fascinating how we say that we want to attract this global potential, this amazing talent, but I feel like the government doesn't have the self-awareness to stop and think, do they want to come here?
1: Yeah.
0: When I first came to the UK, um, I was 10. I'm not even sure if both of my parents would have qualified under the new rules, but I didn't speak English. Yeah. And now that just makes me think, you know, I learned English in a couple of years yeah. and my family, we have contributed to this society through tax, Mm. culturally, in every single way possible. Why are people being shut down from that? Um, But it also hurts these conversations. They're all about the benefit to the economy by immigrants, right? But where is the human angle on this? Mm, It seems to be missing from our conversation.
2: Yeah, completely agree with that. I mean, you know, we work eight to 10 hours a day, what about the other hours where we spend it with our friends and our loved ones and the people that enrich our lives um, culturally, socially? You yeah, When you go down the pub and you meet like people from all over the world, when mm. you um, walk down a high street like where I live and there's like 12 different types of cuisine and yep. it's not even a big high street. <laughs> you know, when we go to an art gallery and we see... Um, native art from all around the world when we see art from our own communities that are so blended and mixed yeah. you know where is the celebration of that we talk about gdp but i've been working in and around politics for 20 years journalist of you know few years now i'm not sure i mean i know it stands for gross domestic product
1: <laughs> I'm
2: not sure i could actually tell you what gdp means and i certainly couldn't tell you what it means to my life mm. Exactly,
1: and I agree with Emma because, like, do you know how nice Polish bread is. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you, God, have you yeah. ever tasted Polish bread? <laughs> <laughs> like, I would have never have known yeah. how nice it is. And you no, know, not not to try try and make it into into a joke, but I'm just trying to say uh, I agree with you with you, Emma. And I feel like there's so much that can be gained from the from the plethora of different types of um of cultures that we've come to see here in in Britain because of um migration or immigration. Mm. Also, to go back to what you were saying about the point system. One of my friends actually said, you know, I've actually gone through the list of criteria for what you would have to go through as someone who needs to qualify to come to this country. And she's someone who was educated here at a very good all-girls school, born and raised here. She said, I only scored 50. So what does that mean? I wouldn't have been able to come here myself. <laughs> like, well, I can't stay here. And, you know, it just, it just kind of sparked off a, a conversation. It's like, how realistic is this criteria and I feel like I know you were saying that um obviously they're saying it because they want to implore highly skilled people but part of me feels like that is just a bit of a, a ploy for them to actually just make it so that we can officially say that more more people of you can't come it's just a way of this it's for me it's like a ploy it's like okay look we've got this criteria and if you don't adhere to this you can't come but for me it's more like well actually we don't want you to come <laughs> so we're gonna so we're gonna put this um criteria that's really really hard for a lot of people to meet and therefore a lot of you can't come which I think is I think it's this this. like it's this, Dastardly. I think it's. I think it's unscrupulous. Like completely.
2: The system's also completely dishonest. Why is it seventy and not seven? Yep because there's not a single criteria at the moment it doesn't have a zero on the end of it <laughs> it's seventeen, not seven, because that sounds like a bigger number yep. sounds like it's harder to get in it's just political packaging mm. the other reason and the reason that they're not going to tell the people who are in favor of the system is because they are going to have to tinker with it a lot mm-hmm. they keep saying australian style points-based system <laughs> the reason that These systems have numbers like this is so that you can then have a sector by sector, opt-outs, opt-ins. You can bring people into where, for example, we're almost certainly going to have a fruit-picking exception. Uh, Well, I can't imagine they're going to last long without a social care exception. Mm -hmm. Nursing? Nursing, probably, yeah. I mean, Massively. the NHS will fall over if yeah. we don't do that. So they're going to have set loads and loads and loads of different sectoral um, changes. Yep. And the way to do that is to give them five points here or yep. seven points here. If you're a midwife, maybe you get 10 points. Yep. Yeah. And that's why they've had to make these this completely ridiculous criteria.
0: But it's just so dehumanising. Yeah, it makes me feel like immigrants are seen as a commodity do you think these new rules could potentially fuel our anti-immigrant
1: attitudes? That's the first thing that came to my mind. Yes, there are some people that maybe feel like that. That's In most countries, there's going to be people who feel like, I don't really want other people coming here. But as a whole, that is not representative of us. And I feel like from the conversations that I've had on my journey personally and professionally, there's a lot of people who feel like we are not wanted here. So maybe it's time for us to go home. And even before some of these things have come into place, a lot of people have started to make the move to go back home. And speaking about the NHS, it's over 20% of NHS workers are from the EU. How are we going to feel that when already the NHS is understaffed? For me, I think it's it's crazy what's going on right now and I'm really worry for how we're going to look on an international level.
2: I'd like to offer a slight counter-narrative of hope, um, which is very unlike me as anyone who knows me will tell you. (laughs) Um, Please, let us know. The reason I say that is because Brexit brought to the surface things that have been simmering for a really, really long time. True. But actually, since the vote, the salience of immigration as a topic has gone down dramatically in terms of polling, in terms of where the voters are at. I think that as this system, and it's so draconian and it's so nasty, actually takes place and bites and bites on people's high streets and bites Mm -hmm. um, for the people who are looking after your parents, who are looking after your children, and actually has an impact on people's real lives. I think... Or at least I hope that the pendulum and the conversation are going to swing the other way. And I've certainly felt that um, people who are more liberal, who maybe didn't talk about immigration very much because they were trying not to key into the salience of the issue, actually now are standing up and going, no, hang on. We need to be starting talking about this. And more importantly, people who look like me are not just leaving the conversation to people who don't. I'm white. I'm middle class. And it's on me. To say, no, not in my name. Yeah. The one good thing is they've extended how long
0: international students will be allowed to stay after graduating university. Right now, they're only given four months
2: to find a job or leave. Oh, wow. I
1: didn't
0: even yeah. know Yeah. So do you think this
2: could be a positive move? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I used to work at the Institute for Public Policy Research, IPPR, big think tank, um, total geek. <laughs> Uh, but no, I did their comms because I wasn't, they were the clever bots and I just told them how to speak human. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it. But they've been doing research on this for years and it's just, it was always, you know, constantly, basically every single person in the Conservative Party except Theresa May, who was Home Secretary and then mm-hmm. Prime Minister, knew that this was an insane policy because they are exactly those best and brightest people that mm-hmm. even the Tories who want to curb immigration completely still want to be attracting. No one could understand why they would wouldn't take it out the immigration figures. It made no sense financially, it made no sense economically. Mm. And again, it doesn't even make sense in terms of the skills gaps. It's actually common sense that's common sense rather than people saying it's yeah. common sense immigration policy when it yeah. isn't. So when Pretty Patel
0: said that her own parents might not have been able oh, yeah. to come into the country. Because no, but, of the rules that she has just yeah, unveiled,
1: no, I, I, I don't think she 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 didn't she didn't elaborate on that. She I think didn't she reply that oh this is not about my parents or where or, or where my background is. She tried to kind of like
0: yeah, so she tried to sidestep serve it. it. Yeah, yeah, but how did that make you feel when you heard that?
1: For me, that was. That made sense. That is completely who I think Pretty Patel is. Mm. I put a comment underneath a post where um, someone had posted a clip of her and I was just like, this is what I don't like to see. I won't use the words that I use, but I said, this is what I don't like to see. I don't like to see politicians who should really be standing up against bigotry instead kind of accepting and allow it to happen. It's like, you know what they're trying to say to you, Pretty. It's like mm. you, like so many more of us, have been afforded wonderful opportunities and in many cases a, a good life because of of immigration. But what you are now trying to champion would actually... Stop people who are like you and like us from coming into the country and do so. But rather than you facing that question and saying, "Would you know what? Yeah, that's a great point." But well, she she did say something. She said, "She she said it's a different time," and that is true. It is a different time. But face that question and and, and at least show some sort of human emotion, emotive reaction that actually shows some empathy for what you're going to be imposing on other people. I do understand us needing to take some sort of action to make sure that, you know, uh, we're not inundated, yeah? I do understand that. But I just feel like this isn't the right way to do it. And I feel like it's a very extreme way to do it as well.
0: Free movement... Works both ways. Yeah, of course yeah. it does. Right? Of course,
1: of course it does. How many
0: people leave this country to work as expats,
1: and they're being affected as well?
0: Anywhere because they because
1: their situation. Like I've got friends who work in Europe, and their situation in companies is being threatened because they don't know what's going to be, what's going to happen as a result of them now being a person who is from the UK but not in in Europe.
2: Yeah, people who you know have grown up with the idea that they can go and spend their summers working yeah. in and Ibiza. Ibiza. I Ibiza? Ibiza. I don't know where the kids go these oh, days. Stop lying, <laughs> I saw you last year in mean, Ibiza. Stop <laughs> lying. But yeah, I mean, that that's just a part of people's cultural upbringing that yeah. that could be something they could do. You know, and that was something that was really open... So people like me could still go off and have their gap yard and you know, go to <laughs> South <America laughs> I did interrailing at go. the end of year but 13. actually, that was something that was open to working class kids yeah. and we've closed that door. Yeah. And that's a real shame, I yeah. think. The recent passing of Caroline Flack has prompted discussions
0: on the way the media reports on death by suicide. Caroline Flack, former host of reality TV show Love Island, has died aged 40. A lawyer for the family said she died by suicide in her London apartment. Caroline was a big part of people's lives and her death has been particularly heartbreaking. She was the media's punching bag, always portrayed as a hopeless romantic who couldn't hold down a boyfriend. We all witnessed her well-documented mental decline, wrongly assuming she was fine. When she was arrested for common assault and labelled a domestic abuser in December, the online abuse escalated even further. Whether guilty or not, Caroline became victim to a brutal trial by media, months before the real trial was set to take place. Do you think the media is well-equipped to handle conversations around celebrity death by suicide?
1: I think they should be. I think they should be. I think, I, I think even on a human level, we should know um, how to approach something as sensitive as suicide. But I feel like, unfortunately, we're in a time now where uh, drama, um, uh, people's pain, people's decline is too much of a a popular uh clickbait or 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 seller of papers that I feel now that uh having any form of 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 moral um in in your approach to how you um document and create your journalism is is no longer a a priority. Mm. It's what, what is going to make people click on this. And unfortunately those very reasons are why Caroline Flack is no longer here even how it's been reported it's like it's still a sensationalist thing like her her suicide and her death is still Mm -hmm. sensationalist it was sensationalist when she was struggling and even now that she's died you've still made her a sensationalist spectacle when are we going to have some respect for people?
0: How did you both feel
2: when you saw the news? It was just really shocking because she's you know she was so young yeah um, and she's got you know very talented I only started watching Love Island a couple of seasons ago but yeah you know, she she absolutely owned those moments that she was a big part of, and you could tell that there was just this huge sense of empathy that she had yes. with with the the contestants yes. she was uh, completely on their side. Um, particularly i think some of the girls but you know if there was some sort of badly behaved bloke you know she she really kind of made it known oh, yeah. that she was you know she was not an impartial yeah well
0: i actually read a few days ago that amy hart who was one of the contestants um so she just for some context she got mugged off by the guy she was seeing on love yeah. island he picked someone to come back from Casa Amor. Mm. Yeah. And Amy was really upset, really, really upset on the show. And Caroline was like really holding her hand. And I think because Amy was having essentially a breakdown yeah. on live mm. TV, Caroline was squeezing her hand, as to say, you know. You're supported. You're yeah. There. You're, she's there, but also um,
2: don't talk too much because they're going to sensationalize it. The thing is, is that, and this is as tr- much true in my industry as it is in, in entertainment, mm-hmm. outrage sells. Oh, yeah. Nuance doesn't sell. No. Um, so if I write something that says, "Well, on the one hand, Tony Blair is you know a very successful Labour politician. On the other hand, uh, Iraq," uh, mm-hmm. and you have to see both sides of that, and maybe look at what the lessons yeah. could be from the good. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. You know, you've got to have devils or heroes. Yeah. We don't watch whole things anymore. Hardly. No. Yeah. You know, we watch we we watch thirty second clips on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we watch a, a minute on Facebook. So you've got to have that moment from your reality television show that's going to break through in 30 seconds. So of course you turn people into these complete Mm -hmm. cartoons of themselves. We just turn people into these villains over and over again. And, you know, I know very little about the case that Caroline was involved in. I know the details that a few people who choose not to read the tabloid press know, but it's not really my business. Exactly. You know, I'm not one who believes that we should anonymise people who are um, accused of crimes. Um, but not least because if the, if other victims need to come forward, then that's really important not to do that. But there has got to be some sort of balance between this has happened, and if you have any information, please can you give it to us? And splashing a vul- clearly vulnerable person all over the press and all over social media and then everybody having an opinion on it. For our own entertainment, we're documenting every moment yeah. of this tragedy. Yeah. And, you know, these are people's lives. Yeah, but, you know, talking about
0: that, do you think it is in the public interest to know even, you know, the details of how someone
2: takes their life? No. No. Uh, the Surely Samaritan guidelines be are very, out. very clear exactly. on this. Uh, where the way they're getting around it is that they're not reporting how she took her life, they're reporting the details of the um inquest. Yeah. And that's that's the the It's cheeky. Facade. Yeah. Um but it's you no, know, and you know, it, we the Samaritan guidelines have been developed very carefully, not and not to stop the victim's families feeling bad, but to stop copycat killings. So when you're reporting in that way, you're not simply um, being a bit of a git. Can I say git? Yeah. <laughs> you say what you want.
1: Nice
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, word. What you're doing is endangering vulnerable
0: people's lives. I mean, The Sun was spotted deleting articles about Carolyn Flack after the news of her death came out. You know, should media companies? Start taking more editorial responsibility in the way that they report on celebrities and contribute to this toxic discourse.
2: I think we all need to. I think if we ask the media companies to do it all, then that's infantilizing us. Because if we weren't clicking on those stories, yeah. then they wouldn't be running them. So we all need to take our own responsibility.
1: Yeah. Instagram pages were doing it. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, I've seen so many things come up on Instagram pages where then obviously, on an Instagram page you can caption as you like, and some of the ca- ca- captions were really, really insensitive. Mm. It's like it's hard to avoid.:
0: Lots of people have said that the general mood around what's happened to Caroline feels very different to other celebrity deaths by suicide. It feels like collectively we have reached a point and that enough is enough. Do you really think that people will be kinder to each other online following her death?
2: No.
1: for a few weeks.
2: Yeah. I mean I'm I'm old enough to remember when Princess Diana died and everything was going to be different and it was for a few months maybe if we were lucky and then it wasn't because partly because human nature we're not very honest about human nature and we all have our demons and our bad habits and our bitchy side and god I know I've got mine <laughs> um so it, it's when we aren't honest and we pretend that we're better than we are we actually then don't deal with those those parts of ourselves um so i think that i think we'll be really nice for a little while and there'll be a thing about kindness um there'll be some work maybe set up in schools about sort of online bullying but unless we address the deeper more fundamental aspects that frankly the capitalism of media is set up to exploit young women that is something
0: people have been discussing that it has actually been very gendered mm. this violence essentially
2: yeah and and we just watch young women after young women after young women be put up on a pedestal and then torn back down again mm-hmm. over and over again and and it's not just young women but i um i do there is definitely a gendered aspect to it
1: there needs to be a lot more protection um for I think for the people that we place in the public eye in that way, something, something about, about Caroline's story doesn't sit right with me. And I feel like it's because it's almost like she was just kind of like put out there mm. to, to slaughter and there wasn't much support. Mm. There isn't really much support or aftercare in this industry as a whole. Um, like even myself, like I do, I do factual entertainment. I do a lot of shows about, um, you know, death, murder. And stuff like that. And these things do stay with you, but never once have I been offered aftercare. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Aaron, do you want to? Are you all right after doing all that kind of stuff? Do you want to speak to someone? Are
2: you freelance? Yeah. yeah so yeah. am I. And there's that's the thing is there's it's nobody's responsibility yeah. to look at. And so much of the Welcome media. to the is, gig economy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we may be on a you a different end of it from an Uber driver, but it's similar that we haven't got those protections yeah. that were traditionally fought for in the yeah. workplace by unions and things. You know, I'm a member of the NUJ. I'm really yeah. glad to be. And it does give me some of that background. But it's not the same as you would get in a workplace. Yeah.
1: Welcome to the 40th anniversary of the Brit Awards in Association.
0: With... The 2020 Brit Awards was a night to remember. Lewis Capaldi gave a very drunk shout out to his ex-page, who is currently on Love Island, as he accepted his Song of the Year award. Rapper Dave called out the Prime Minister for being a racist and criticised the government for neglecting Grenfell victims. He also won the Album of the Year award. Billie Eilish performed "No Time to Die." And Mabel won Best Female Artist 30 years after her mum won a Brit Award too. And celebrities paid tribute to Carolyn Flack. Aaron, what did you think of this year's Brits?
1: I think Dave stole the show by using his platform to to really highlight some very uh, relevant and timely issues. I think it also has brought about a lot of conversation about how should uh, those in the public eye or those who are musicians use their platforms? Yeah. Um, I'm personally for it. Um, and I feel like as much as he did call out Boris, I feel like he gave quite a balanced performance because he spoke about Jack Merritt and obviously how he, how he had his life was taken, but also what he did in his life before his life was taken. So I feel like it was a balanced performance. But I think where we're focused is the fact that. An artist could be on stage calling out the leader of our country. I think Pretty Patel responded to him say, saying, "Of course that. she did. Yeah, she said Boris is. <laughs> I know Boris. I don't think Dave has met Boris, and I, 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 have met Boris. I, he's, I, I work with him, and I know him very well. And I know he's not racist. Dave actually took to to Twitter, I believe it was, and he posted a video that actually showed all the different Boris um, statements that were unarguably uh, extremely bigoted or, or racist. I know a lot of the music artists and I know how much young people follow their every word. And if you can use that opportunity to to open up uh, thinking, open up conversation and maybe even educate as to what's going on around you outside of just my lyrics, I think, why not?
0: There's also been an interesting conversation and it's that it seems that there's, there's an absence of white artists doing the same. Yeah.
2: Now, what do you think of that? Absolutely. It's incumbent on everyone to speak up. Yeah. It's, um, it's been fascinating. So when I was growing up, pop was really political. The mm-hmm. 80s was the most sort of politically cultural time. You had Wham! <laughs> yeah. One of the most commercial artists that you can think of did a song about being on the dole. Yeah. Um, and now I'm not going to do it although I can. <laughs> but, we just need you, to get to the pub. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, Michael Gove can also do it, which is slightly odd because I don't think he was listening <laughs> to the words properly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that was in the charts. You had yeah. Ghost Town in the charts. Yep. And then I think the generation that grew up being supported by rock and roll and rock and roll being rebellious just turned into a generation of corporate suits and the 90s was all about sort of, you, know, you can non-conform. You, know, you you can be grunge or you. Know, but you you had you did it in a non-political way, and I think that you know rock and roll got bought out. Yeah, by corporations. And first of all, you had corporations that do companies who were just music companies, then they got owned by bigger companies that really didn't give a stuff about music. And everything got blanded down. And it's actually great to see this new wave of people with a voice coming in and saying, well, actually... I do really care about issues, and I've got a platform, and I am going to use it. And I am extremely talented, and I am yeah, and I am very, very talented, and not just talented in terms of you know my my music ability, but talented in the way that I know how to use my voice. You know what you see with us, it's particularly ones who are coming through by building themselves up through social media, is that they don't um, simply develop. Their musical skills, their lyrical skills, but they also develop their ability to build it and talk to an audience. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is gold dust when you have people with a political voice. So they're so much better at it more often than many politicians who haven't gone out there and talked to and had to build up that kind of community. And then...
0: In having this conversation, we can't not talk about Stormzy, who has also done exactly the same. Um, He is originally from Croydon, and he has set up a publication company called Murky Books. He's also got a scholarship for black students going to Cambridge. Mm -hmm. And that is really the way to use your platform, isn't it? But what I find fascinating is that people want this apolitical music, Mm -hmm. but music is inherently political. Art is inherently political. I don't know what kind of music
2: these people are hoping for. And there's a saying in the feminist community, the personal is political. And when you mention Mabel... Um, one thing that I remember about her mum is seeing Nana Cherry, Cherry doing Buffalo Stance eight months pregnant on Top of the Pops. <laughs> and that was such a powerful statement. Shout out to Mabel's mum, I yeah, say.
1: <laughs> I think it takes a certain artist, a certain type of artist as well, because um, when we think about, uh, I guess, maybe more uh, white artists or maybe uh, even talking about the rock movement, um, mm. uh, I think about. Um, someone like Lady Gaga. Now her songs weren't deeply political, but Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga made it a, a a point to to use her platform. I really do respect Lady Gaga for that, but I think it takes a certain type of artist. Lady Gaga's an artist that doesn't care, like she's giving you her. This is me, and you take it or you leave it. And I feel like, um the reason why you're seeing Stormzy and Dave do these things as well is because that is the kind of scene that we come from now as well. It's like this scene that you're seeing, someone like Stormzy and Dave, they're more more newer, but the ones who have provided a platform for them who also want the same landscape as them are people who have been doing this for like 15 years. Mm. Like, for instance, there's someone like, um, like, like I know quite a few like, like gets or gigs. Like I've been listening to these people's music since like 2003, and it's only within the last couple of years where, where the mainstream knows who these people are. And they've been crying out, saying lyrics um, with political um uh, connotations for years. So I feel like reason why you're seeing it with people like Stormzy and Davis, because our music scene is inherently that. And now they're being given the opportunity to do that. Whereas before our music had to be watered down. You know, we had to have the pop time where you had like the pop kind of grime. You know, people like Chip and Tinchy, who are both my friends. I'm, I'm not disrespecting them, but they know they had to. Do do, Oopsie
0: yeah, Daisy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they had to do songs that weren't
1: that weren't as um as uh, as edgy. So it's a certain type of artist. Um, and,
2: yeah, I do think there is like there's a difference between an artist who lives for the arts yeah. and an artist who wants to be famous. Exactly. And if you want to be famous, then you will sand off your rough edges. Yeah. Um, because you would need to appeal to as many people as yes. possible. Whereas people like Dave have just gone. You know what I've got? I've got my art. Yeah, and it's found its space and it's found its voice. Yeah. and I'm going to use that to to create rather than simply to be seen. Yeah, and I think that for me is a fundamental difference. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. And you know, some artists who I would say are part of that sort of blander oh. area. Um, I mean, I love a bit of Taylor Swift because um, uh, you know, my niece loves her, and she does use her platform occasionally. Yeah, she's been a few stands. Um, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, but I what I think. What I think is interesting is there are stands that are comfortable. Yeah. And then there are stands that you should make even though they're deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Um and that's where I'd like to see more of those kind of artists who you see on comic relief mm-hmm. actually going, well hang on, there's a reason that this we've got happening. this poverty yes, and maybe yes. we should look deeper at that as well as raising this money to Instead do Instead of works. just making
0: a little song out of it yeah. and forgetting and my, about. My
1: my worries as well is that I I know that in certain cases certain labels and certain managers are saying, do you know, maybe you should talk about that issue because it will bring more people over here. I just hope that, that that doesn't become a thing. I don't want people to be doing the whole fake uh the fake fake woke fake woke. Don't don't do fake woke to the uh, to the point where it becomes something now of a, of a of a ploy for an artist to gain some some sort of popularity. Um I think ultimately even if it is fake woke, hopefully it will open up conversations, but I just feel like it will be very unauthentic and dis- disingenuous if you are just pretending to care about and an people issue. know yeah people, people know because
2: i think that's what was really interesting is the difference between some of the sort of celebrity endorsements you get yeah. and something that just genuinely feels like it's come from the bottom up like the grimes for corbyn movement yeah. i thought was fascinating yeah because it didn't try to be anything other than what it was and it was just people talking to each other in their own in their own big, way it's a
1: big movement yeah, yeah it and it
2: got
0: a lot of support for yeah corbyn. yeah um there were barely any women nominated at this year's BRIT Awards.
2: Emma, were you shocked by this at all? Uh, shocked but not surprised, I think <laughs> is the, the standard phraseology. Um, I mean, we're in a, a moment where most of what I hear is a few female American singers and a lot of pasty white blokes with a guitar. And then people like Dave, and those seem to be the three kind of categories that are coming through at the moment now i 'll admit I don't think I've listened to Radio one for twenty years. Um, <laughs> you know I listen to the Grateful Dead for God's sake, and they're old enough that my parents were into them <laughs> but you know it's when you when you are out and about and you you that ambient noise that you 're getting, those seem to be the sort of the key categories, so yeah. your Lewis Capaldis are. Uh, and before that, the ginger one, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran
1: thank the you, the ginger God,
2: one. I can't remember Ed Sheeran's <laughs> name. Oh God, I'm really showing myself up. Um, but that's that has been sort of the on vogue, well, and Harry I, Styles as well as Harry the... Styles. Yes, I mean he's very beautiful. I, I though I what great. a suit <laughs> 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 that I did see. <laughs> but yeah, I think I do think that there is this kind of um, we always revert to. Rock and roll is a white bloke with a guitar. And that's really hard to break.
0: Well, just a few weeks ago, the band 1975 said they weren't going to play at any more gender exclusionary gigs and festivals. Do you think artists should take a similar stand when it comes to award ceremonies like the Brits?
1: I think they should um i work with a event organizing company we do like shows uh all around the country we do tours with artists uh we also do a few international um shows as well and uh it's a husband and wife team who actually um run the uh, organization and that's something that we've been having a lot of conversations about because um we've been looking at festivals as well and it's like you we've know, it's like wow where, where's the where's the females it's only when you kind of like Take a moment to actually look at it. It's like because you're so used to all the names. Oh yeah, things gonna be there. Oh, yeah, it's gonna exactly. be exactly? But if you take out like, all the, the
0: the the yeah. names, you only see three female. And yeah, bands.
1: and and for me, female artists are important. They are just as powerful. In in many cases, more talented. But for some reason, I don't know why. I, I actually don't know why this is happening. But it, it seems to be a situation where a lot of these shows and festivals are really inundated and flooded with like with male artists.
2: Part of the problem is is that a lot of the time, young women will go and see young men, but young men won't go and see young women in terms of, of mm, yeah. our, our audiences. And it's a commercial decision. Um, so what we need to be doing is not simply, I mean, yes, I think that what 1975 done is great, well done them, absolutely brilliant. But there's then we need to be kind of just teaching boys that it's okay to like a female artist, mm. you know, that, that, that music is music. Uh, And, you know, there are some fantastic female artists scattered throughout history and performing now that that they should be loving because if they if they just allow their, their, you know, the, the more toxic end of masculinity to shut them down to listening to female voices, they lose so much. Of
1: course.
0: Well,
2: thank you so much for this really insightful conversation. Where
0: can we find you on social media?
1: Aaron roach Bridgman um, on uh, Instagram and Facebook and at A roach on Twitter.
2: You can find me at Emma Burnell underscore on Twitter.
0: In other news, UK backpacker Grace Mullane's killer has been jailed for life. Last month was the warmest January in 141 years of record keeping and 2020 is virtually certain to be one of the warmest years on record. One of Boris Johnson's advisers quit after it was revealed he made controversial comments about eugenics. A 70-year-old Muslim worshipper was stabbed in the neck at a London mosque. June Brown has quit EastEnders after 35 years of playing dot cotton. And finally, around £2 billion billion paper notes will be withdrawn and recycled as compost. This has been your Broccoli Weekly. I've been your host, Diora. You can find me on Twitter at The Diora. Credits of the clips used and information can be found on our website, www.yourbroccoliweekly.com. Join the conversation now and share your views using the hashtag Your Broccoli Weekly. Why not give us a rating and review on your favourite podcast app if you liked what you heard? If you loved it, feel free to tell your friends. Your Broccoli Weekly is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, Pocket Cast, and all your favourite apps. Your Broccoli Weekly is produced by Cass Denton. This is a Broccoli production.